Hello and welcome to the Coffee with Your Therapist podcast, the podcast where we talk with people in the mental health field about their careers, their work and the music they like all in 20 minutes. This episode, we talk to Steve McBride, who is the Director of Services for Aware Mental Health Charity. Stephen relates what he does with Aware and how the charity helped 40,000 people directly last year in a number of different ways. I asked Stephen what he sees as the current trends in mental health in Ireland, and he gives his views on what he is seeing from the public and Aware's clients. And interestingly, he talks about the ongoing impact of COVID and loneliness. We also talk about how people can work with AWARE, whether they are suffering from depression or living with someone who is suffering from depression. But also, if they are involved in the mental health field, how they can partner either professionally or as a volunteer. Finally, we talk about what Stephen does as a hobby in his spare time and about his interest in a wide range of music. And as always, we play it with a great song. Thanks, Stephen, for being a great guest. The podcast is sponsored by MindGuard. We work with therapists and their clients to reach better outcomes in a faster, more insightful, secure and trusted process using our MindGuard system. We work with private clients and with student psychology services of third level colleges, helping manage triage and post therapy relapse. Contact us if you're a therapist, a clinic or an online therapy platform at MindGuard.com. Thank you. The, the email comes in, Stephen, at the least welcome time. But anyway, so I'm talking to Stephen McBride. And Stephen, I know you work for a well-known and respected charity, AWARE, which focuses on uh, depression. But what what do you do? I mean, it's, yeah, you have a look in your face like you do a lot of different things over there. But t- tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into this whole area. Thanks, Pat. And thanks for the invitation to, to come and have a conversation together. Um, how did I start and how do I start with that that question? I suppose I, I started uh, thinking about what I would like to do way back when, over 20 years ago now, um, thinking about how I would like to develop a career in, in the helping professions, I suppose. I've always been drawn to that, the idea of what I might do. So somewhere in the healthcare arena. So that was somewhere in my mind and I went into university and the transition uh, as we were just talking about uh, or thinking about between um, secondary school and university. So I went in there and I I did an arts degree in in UCD and as part of that arts degree, I said, gee, this psychology stuff is interesting to me, you know, learning about human behaviour, learning about the importance of, I suppose, how we think and feel and, and how we act and what meaning is, is linked to that for ourselves. So I suppose I found a bit of purpose in that and that kind of energised me or I found a bit of desire for it, to use mm-hmm. a, a very close word to my heart in terms of my belief around uh, life and, and psychotherapy or psychology in general. So I, I motored on with that and, and ended up kind of getting into the the next round of the psychology training in uh, UCD and from that it kind of took off and I said to myself what kind of area in psychology do I want to go to then so afterwards you know I took a year out and I ended up working uh, in in a hospital actually which further cemented my uh, desire to work I was working as a support uh, in the support services within the hospital with patients and I said, this is, this is where I feel as though I have a connection. 
So I ended up saying, how do I kind of develop on that? And there was a master's available and it wasn't uh, available in, um, you know, there was different criteria that you needed. There was two places to do it, one in Belfast and one in Dublin. And I got accepted to the training in Belfast. So I ended up doing a master's in counselling psychology. Hmm. So from that master's in counselling psychology, and I found my niche, the idea of, you know, sitting in front of people or working with a group laterally, you know, but sitting in front of a person and listening to them bear witness to their story. And I found that was something that I I developed a huge uh, interest in and passion for. Just as I say, you know, the fundamental aspect of, you know, a counselling psychology interaction, as I would believe, as well as a psychotherapeutic interaction, is to sit in front of a person and uh, allow them to, to tell their story as openly as possible. Mm-hmm. And it took off from there. And I suppose I've applied my training in different areas. I started off working with people experiencing and recovering from addiction and addictive behaviours. And I worked in a, an organisation um, specialising in that and, and and to see people's growth and development and, and movement through uh, the programme. It was a residential programme and for people to bring about change themselves and to see people mm. kind of letting go of of uh, some of the, you, you know. The that must have been a difficult thing because like, I know some friends of mine who had severe addiction and basically didn't recover, to be honest. And it's, there's no guaranteed outcome in, in that. No. I just think it's a, it's a tough end of of therapy. Very much, very much, Pat. And it is, it is a tough end because there are people that, that, that don't recover or go and, and and it's part of the cycle, you know, like relapse and recovery is part of the cycle in addiction. And people did relapse, of course, and people did recover. And then some people who did relapse and ended up uh, dying as a as a direct or indirect cause of, of their addiction. So it's very humbling. And, and there's just a sense of connection to see people growing and recovering was quite, quite profound. Mm. But where, what that really did for me too, Pat, was that, awoke further awoke a desire for group so i ended up working in that and i said what am i going to do here so i ended up applying for a training and this was a second training i did so i have now a master's a second master's in group analytic psychotherapy from ucd and the school of psychotherapy in saint vincent's hospital and i didn't i I didn't realize it was even further especially at you know um post-grad level that's pretty interesting yeah, indeed. And 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 that is where my uh, real passion lies, because I suppose I I believe that uh, a, a, an understanding or the better without getting into kind of uh, um, what's better or what's not. But, you know, so a, a, a very helpful understanding of us as human beings is by our, our relationship as individuals to groups and in groups. We're Mm. all social beings. We're all social in nature, whether we're introverted, extroverted or somewhere in between. So an understanding of ourselves as human beings is uh, is is very much borne out by how we interact with groups and how we think about our relationships in the groups around us Mm. from our family of origins group to our friendship groups and to our workplace groups. So it it really uh, uh, was was such a. yeah, a, a rigorous training, no doubt, but also um, so supportive and, and really fundamental in the building blocks for the development of, of my career. Mm. And I think now where I am at in AWARE, and I've worked in the uh, health service and I've worked in other community and voluntary organisations, but uh, mapping the training I got in group analysis into AWARE, where 
one of the fundamental building blocks of our support services, our group. A lot mm. of our programs, all nearly all of them are group interactions, our support groups, which are integral to aware our groups in and of themselves. So being able right. to and apply so that's, and, that's really interesting, Stephen. So uh, you try, I'm guessing, you try and use the group dynamic to support the individual. But, you know, groups, um, we all know groups where we support and we all know groups where probably we're not so uncomfortable, should we say. So what's the trick? How do you make that work? I mean, I'm I'm sure like every group that we all know, you like some people, you don't like other people, they like you, some of them don't like you, whatever it is, it's it's human nature. How do you make, what's the trick there? I don't know if there's one magical trick in it. I suppose the word that comes to mind in answer to your question is trying to tolerate or understand that human beings, we can be very creative and we can be very developmental, but we also, there's there's aspects of human nature which can be uh, uh, potentially destructive. And some of those forces can play out in group at a mild level and at times at a moderate or, or severe level. So it's trying to understand that, um, yeah, groups have their own life force uh, mm-hmm. in and of themselves and and trying to kind of adapt maybe a, a human understanding that tricky things and uh, difficult things come up in group, whether it's in a therapeutic context or in an organizational context, but with the faith that something can be worked through, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and a bit of perseverance, hard work, you know, reflection, thinking about one's own behavior and the group dynamic and, and that things can change and, 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 and flourish pr- prospectively all the while respecting that group dynamics uh, uh, because we bring all of ourselves to to the group, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, can, can be tricky, you know. Yeah, no, so, uh, Stephen, you've gone on to your, your day job, you would say. I'm sure I, I suspect there's more than just a day job, but you've gone on to AWARE and could maybe tell us what you, you say, what your formal title is, what your, what your formal responsibility is, but... Yeah, so so my, my position at AWARE is that I'm the director of services at AWARE. Mm-hmm. So my responsibility at AWARE is to uh, develop and, and deliver the services ultimately. So we have a plethora of support services and a plethora of educational programs. So AWARE was set up uh, nearly 40 years ago uh, to provide support, information and education to people who are experiencing depression bipolar disorder and other mood related conditions and that's what we still serve to do you know and to provide uh, a supportive space to people in our groups through our support line and our various other support services and in our education programs to support and be educative to people who are experiencing depression and bipolar so i'm responsible for as i say the delivery of those services and programs and also for um you know, managing and leading a team who who work to uh, both administer and support the volunteers and the healthcare professionals who who deliver our our support services. So it's a wide ranging brief. Um, you know, in in regard to the link between the operation as a whole, but also the clinical responsibility that we have as a community based support service. You know, mm-hmm. where. An NGO, uh, we don't offer counselling or therapy, even though what we do offer can be experienced therapeutically, if that makes right. sense. Right. And could you give us some numbers? Like how many people would you reach in a year? You know, what, what sort of what sort of scope do you have? We in 2022, we reached close to 40,000 people 
uh, in the year. And we had 500,000 unique users of our website, which is our kind of hub for information. So 40,000 uh, equates to the amount of people that visited our groups, who rang our support line, who sent us an email looking for support or information, mm. who attended uh, a, an educational program based on cognitive behavioral therapy. And then that's our support services. Mm. And then we have a wide range of educational programs. So in, in total, 40,000 people or 40,000 people interacted with us uh, mm. in 2022. No, that's, that's uh, I, I mean, I've looked at AWARE and I know the amount of resources you have. That's quite a, a huge support for, um, you know, the, the famous people. I throw an NGO as some sort of insult, but uh, if they look at what you're doing for how much resources you have, that's a pretty phenomenal ratio. Um, yeah. and it, I know myself from involvement in the charity sector that's, uh, you know, the amount of goodwill in charities is it's a huge social capital that we should use, um, but particularly this area. And mm-hmm. you know, what what trends are you seeing, Stephen, is like in terms of mental health and the way, where do you think this is going to go? Is it, are we always in a holding pattern? Do you feel there's, there's progress being made? What do you think? I think there is progress being made. I think one of the dividends from uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is that people in in, in a general sense have been uh, more open to talking about it. The converse to that is that a lot of people are uh, still experiencing the aftershock, dare I say, of, of the pandemic in terms of the lived experience of isolation or loneliness. And we do hear that in, in our support groups and on our support line. So it might not necessarily be framed uh, per se about uh, the pandemic, but people's mood and sense of connectedness or social connectedness in the world around them has been diminished on on the back of of, of the pandemic. So it's interesting that that's the kind of yin and the yang, if I put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and other trends, I suppose, we're seeing is the um, the difficulty around youth mental health. I think we've touched on it a little minute ago. You know, that transition period and what it's been like for people who have been in secondary school or, uh, you know, that transition into university or to a trade or whatever, into adulthood mm-hmm. and, and, and the, the, the struggle for people in, in their early 20s, kind of finding meaning or purpose in their lives, because to all intents and purposes, a couple of years were spent in, in isolation when mm-hmm. what would normally have been happening if there was no pandemic would have been socializing and connecting and making new friends and, mm. and reaching out into the world, that kind of fundamental of, uh, aspect of transitioning into adulthood. So they would kind of mark across the lifespan, maybe young adults or early adults, and then old, maybe older adults, people who are uh, who, who went into that kind of space of um, feeling disconnected or not connecting or not having people to connect with. So there's a lot of kind of loneliness and, uh, and isolation as separate constructs out there because yeah. you can feel lonely even in the presence of company, you know. So depression yeah, has many faces, um, even though there's quite a lot of yeah, you know, similar signs and symptoms to it, but it, uh, it, it it's manifested in different ways uh, for, for different people. Yeah, I, I guess by loneliness you're talking about maybe a sense of a sense of disconnection or um, mm. maybe lack of uh, strong personal connections, uh, you know, and you can see that would be the case. Maybe particularly in uh, young adults, where there's a huge amount of change. You know, they're leaving university, they're leaving them secondary school, they're going to university. Mm. Some of their friends are going a different route. You know, you can see how the group they're in breaks up. 
Um, I mean, to be honest, I found COVID very monotonous. Like literally every every day, every day was the same. And um, it was I had a teenage son. I could see his. Yeah. Uh, now he's in fairness to him, he's totally re- overcome this. You know. Yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, but but he, I could see him withdraw and become less social, and even his social skill levels drop. Now I have yeah. to say he's sort of come back with a vengeance. Um, but for but him, I'm not sure that's the case in every for everybody. So, you know, yeah. and it's, okay. So that, that's really interesting. Um, so there's some of the trends we're seeing, and then also, you know, in a, in a general sense, you, you know, and very much now that this year the cost of living situation in Ireland, mm. or or all the societal. So so this is back to how we understand ourselves from the prism of our social networks. You know, mm-hmm. so we can't deny or step away from the impact of societal events on us, you know, and, and and what has gone on, you know, in our society, you know. So we're very alive to that idea of what it's like, the financial pressures and hardship that people have vis-a-vis inflation and the cost of living situation and even the housing situation in Ireland. And, and that has a fundamental impact on every individual's mental health. So people who are reaching out to AWARE are speaking about that. Mm. You know, and speaking about the impact maybe of financial distress or worry on a relationship, which becomes fractured and strained, perhaps leading to an experience of of low mood, which can then lend to as as depression being a developmental condition, you know, that Mm. it can move from being a low mood into mild depression or a diagnosed experience of it. That distress and sense of emotional pain, you know, around someone's lived experience. And, and their mental health condition, you know, so so situational factors, life events, mm. you know, are, are, and, and we're living in Ireland in 2023 and what's going on, you know, societally has an impact. How, yeah, how it... no, absolutely. So uh, the, the audience for this podcast is obviously very interested in mental health and considerable number are actually uh, probably in psychotherapy or about to go into psychotherapy. Is, is there anything you'd like to, is there anything that they could do to help aware uh, if they're interested or, you know, what, how would you think, how would you suggest they interact with AWARE? There's different ways. Yeah, that's a very good question. Pat. There's different ways that people could interact. For for people who, who maybe are interested in, if they're starting psychotherapy, you're not going to get uh, much better training in the round, I, I would argue, than you'll receive as a prospective volunteer with AWARE. So, that's one angle of it, you know, in terms of coming forward and, and reaching out to express your desire, maybe to volunteer with us in our support groups, because you'll learn a lot of facilitation skills, you'll develop uh, communication skills, and also harness some of the skills that may be applicable in the world of, of psychotherapy, for example, uh, in, in, in a community where people are there to serve and, and listen to people and, and empathize with people with depression. So that's one angle of it. And, and then also, I suppose, I'm thinking that from a psychotherapy perspective, people can in, engage in our programs or even there's a third angle. Um, people, if, if they wanted to learn more about our programs and also maybe refer people to our programs. So people in your audience and listenership, you know, uh, I'd really encourage them to go onto our website, uh, have a look through all the, the, the services and programs that we offer with a view maybe to signposting or or that referral pathway to the programs, you know, because mm. we have a bipolar disorder program, we have a program for loved ones and supporters, you know, we have a new mindfulness program. So we're expanding and developing our service offering, you know, so there are three areas to become a volunteer, to actually use some of our programs or services, 
or maybe to uh, to refer people that you're working with or that you know out there in the community that could benefit but it's in your personal professional life benefit from some of our services or programs and to refer them to us right no that's great and, and uh, to anyone in the audience who might be thinking about that i mean that seems like a great resource experience um relationship to have which i'm sure they could have throughout their whole career or you know if, if they're interested but also i'm sure you'd encourage people who might actually be suffering from depression to contact you as well so exactly and if anyone who's listening to this podcast you know uh is experiencing depression or living with it you know please go onto our website and you'll find out information on on our support groups or ring our support line which is open 10 a.m to 10 p.m monday to sunday um on 1800 80 48 48 okay that's great so um look i could talk to you for another hour about this but uh, uh time moves on and uh you look like a fit healthy man and um i'm just i'm just wondering what do you do for relaxation or how, how do you after hard days of winter, do I, yeah i yeah i thanks for that part yeah i, I <laughs> i'd like to think i'm relatively fit so what i do for relaxation actually interesting is i, I go for a run I used to play a lot of, uh, I'm in my early 40s now, and I used to play a lot of sport right up until five years ago at, at a decent enough level, I would argue. Some might, some might debate that. but um, God, Is there some modesty here? We had some... No, 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 there's no hidden modesty. No, I, I played at a decent amateur yeah, level. Is, okay, which sports? Uh, soccer. Soccer. Oh, okay. Football, yeah. yeah and uh played a bit of gaelic football and swimming so sport has always been a fundamental part of my life so what i've taken to now since i've retired from field sports is a bit of running so that's what i do to keep uh fit and healthy and spend the time with family and friends you know it's it's not rocket science but that social connectedness and there's a running group that i'm part of which is which is great and it kind of motivates you to go i can sometimes go running by myself you know I find it can be a bit, um, you know, monotonous at times. But when I'm in a group, you know, back to the group word, you know, yeah. I, I really find that connection and chat and a bit of camaraderie and a bit of fun, you know. Okay, yeah, well, I could I can take one look at you and I knew you, but we weren't exactly sitting in front of the TV every night. So um, the, um, okay, so in, in this podcast, uh, we talk a little bit about music. Is music a part of your life at all or? Oh, it is indeed. Yeah, very big part. Yeah, I don't have as much time because of, of a young family to go and um, uh, and attend as many concerts as as I would like. But uh, yeah, I do my best, and I do listen to a lot a lot of music. So um, yeah, as part of the podcast, I was aware of that that, that we get a chance to pick a, pick a song. So I was, I was debating it. So I have a wide range of music. So I, I kind of settled on. But uh, well, before you tell us, tell yeah. us the range of music first that you're interested in. Oh, the the range of music. I'm very big. Oh, Luke Kelly. I love uh, traditional music. Luke Kelly would have been a big... Uh, Christy Moore, you know, now Damien Dempsey. I'm a big Damien Dempsey fan. I find music allows you to kind of connect to how you feel on any given day or more broadly. And it brings you kind of... Yeah, it's, it's it can be very moving music. Uh, and, and also Neil Young, big Neil Young fan. Bob Dylan uh, and and John Prine and when I was a teenager, you know, back in the nineties, I was a huge fan of of Oasis. I liked the Doors, you know. I liked mm. the Beach Boys, you know. Elvis Presley, I would have been a big, you know. So wide enough range. That's of, pretty wide range, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so what have you settled on? I have settled on. Ooh, I was. Bob Dylan, I'm, I'm going to go for Bob Dylan. One more cup of coffee for the road. 
Okay, yeah, brilliant choice. Yeah, incredible lyrics. Indeed, yeah, what a powerful, powerful song. So Bob is at the top, and John Prine is is ne- very near the top of my my listener, uh, my listening a- a- at the moment. So okay, brilliant, Stephen. Listen, thanks for being on the podcast, and uh, all the gang at Aware keep up the good work. It's a, it's great charity. We will indeed, and thanks very much for the invitation, Pat, and, and lovely to chat to you this, today. Thanks. Trembles as he calls out for another place.